0: Um, well, God. Uh, that God didn't quite behave in the way in which God behaves. And that God's standards weren't quite the standards which God has as standards. For instance, uh, uh, someone offers you an inli- inside line on questions for an exam that's coming up next week and, uh, uh, you know, you Very unlikely you're going to get caught out on it. But then you remember, well, God is God. Can't change that. And he doesn't do cheating. And he doesn't want his people to do cheating. Or after waiting uh, for half an hour for the call center to answer, they finally pick up the phone and they say, thank you for waiting. And uh, you say, oh, I didn't realize it was an option. At least you think of saying that. And then you you think uh, better of it because you think actually god's nice isn't he not what was in your mind as you're getting more and more frustrated or you're uh, uh, driving home late at night through the 30 limit and you're sorely tempted to go at 40 because well it's perfectly safe it's fine isn't it there are no police around in brighton for most of the night or very few and a little voice says well actually god wants you to keep the laws of the land and that's 30 speed limit sign is one of the laws of the land, isn't it? Well, the fact is, uh, God is God, and we can't change that. Uh, But the trouble is, human beings, all the way down history, have been naturally rebellious. You and I, and all the way down history, naturally rebellious against God. Wanting to do our own thing, and wanting to live life our own way. And thinking that we know better than God. The trouble is, God is God and we can't change it. His standards have always been the same. His standards will always be the same as we look to the future. God has always been in charge when we look to the past and he will always be in charge when we look to the future. Uh, God is the center of the universe. He always has been the center of the universe and he always will be the center of the universe as we look to the future. And the trouble is, in our hearts, we're just naturally rebellious against all that. But the fact is this, and this is the focus this evening, uh, and I think this is what Jeremiah 18 is teaching us. God is God, and you can't change that. Now, Jeremiah goes to the potter's house. God tells him to go there in verse 2 of chapter 18 here. Go down to the potter's house, and there I'll give you my message. And in verses 1 to 10, we're going to see what Jeremiah saw at the potter's house it was an everyday sight Uh, in those days i mean you can go to a potter's now and watch them uh, doing their thing can't we but uh, there were probably a load more potters in jeremiah's day at least uh, relatively so and then god tells him what jeremiah has to say uh, both to his people and therefore to his country as well and as a result of going to the potter's house Look in verses uh, 11 and 12. Now therefore, save the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I'm preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. And what they need to see and what they need to hear is this, that God is God and you can't change that. You may be rebels against him, but you need to remember that God is God's. And uh, the trouble is, we would love to change it. We would love to take over and and, uh, be in charge ourselves. But we have to stop our rebellion against him. Uh, But unfortunately and tragically, look at verse 12. He even prophesies how people will react. But they will reply, it's no use. We'll continue with our own plans. We will all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. Stuck in the ways addicted to this rebellion against god we're lost as a guy called p.e. Hughes said sinful man does not wish to know god he wishes himself to be the self-sufficient center of his universe so we're natural born rebels and we naturally want to do our own thing but we won't win and we can't win because god is god's and we can't change that. And no one and no thing can change that. So let's have a look, look at this in a little bit more detail. The first thing that we see here uh, in the potter's house with Jeremiah is this. That God is our creator and our Recreator. And if you just glance through verses 1 to 10, you can see Jeremiah is at the potter's house. He's watching what's going on. In verse 4, the pot goes wrong, so the potter starts again, and he makes a new one. And this is a picture of God and his authority over us, the one who is our creator, but also the one who is our re-creator. And it's very interesting that uh, when it talks in... um, Back in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, and it says, the Lord God formed a man. The root of that in the original is the word potter. So in Genesis chapter 2, this account of creation there, and the Lord is a potter, and the Lord is a potter here. It's meant to be a picture of God the creator, uh, and then where that goes wrong, God the recreator, and a recreation. By a first-class potter. And Christians, we believe that God is our creator. And that when we turn to Jesus and when we start a new life with him, that actually God is then our re-creator as we're born again, just like the potter here. But some say, no. No, all this universe and us, it just, just came to be. It's rather like some kind of wonderful and great machine somehow. And uh, uh, But the conclusion of, say, Sir James Jeans, was a physicist an astronomer, a, math- a mathematician as well, and uh, he said, I d- don't agree with that at all, he said this, the universe begins to look more like a great thought than a great machine. The product of a divine mind who has brought all this into existence. And us as part of this, God, the Creator, our Creator, and if you're a Christian, our re-creator, as God is working in our lives uh, <clears throat> through Jesus' death and resurrection. And of course, if that is true, that means a huge and inbuilt authority over what God has created and is re-creating. An authority that demands respect and obedience. From you and me. Because God is our creator and our recreator. Because when we become Christians, we start again as God recreates us. So on both counts, at the Potter's house, the creation and then the recreation, on both counts there, uh, we should be acknowledging that God is God. And we can't change that in terms of creation and in terms of recreation. God is God. He has that authority and that loving rule over our lives. And uh, uh, we can just see God's authority and control here, can't we? Oh, and by the way, when you look at verses 8 and 9, it's not God kind of changing his mind and not being a sovereign God. He's changing his treatment when we change our behavior. But he is still sovereign. So if you're wondering, oh, God is vacillating. God's changing his mind. God is weak and wobbly. No, actually, that is God in his full sovereignty that we see in verses 8 and 9 there. As our creator and our recreator. And we should acknowledge that in our lives now. So It's a motive, isn't it, for living the Christian life? Because he is our recreator. He loves us more than we could possibly imagine. And we want to live our lives for him, don't we? God is our creator and our recreator. And sometimes doesn't it just pay to stop and ponder these things? God, my creator. And the one who is recreating me to be more like Jesus. Whose role and his job in that will be completed at the new heaven and the new earth. Why wouldn't I want to follow him? Why wouldn't I want to acknowledge him? why wouldn't I want to have him in my life and live for him today why wouldn't I want to bow down and worship him because he loves me and he created me and he died for me and he was raised for me and he's recreating me and you if you're a Christian, he wants you to live for him. But you see, for Jeremiah here, it's not just individuals, it's a whole country, it's a whole of God's people. There is a thing here which actually saying it's a good thing to be concerned for our country. So, for instance, with Brexit at the moment, I hope you're praying every day for this extraordinary process and whatever is in in front of us this week and it's great that we prayed in our prayers tonight thank you abby for leading us in that and it's just so important isn't it and we and we want to pray for the christian church in our country and uh, uh and the christian church in brighton and hove in our city and for our own church here Because this is talking about groups of people and not just individuals. So it applies to our lives as part of a wider community. So let's not forget to apply to those areas as well. So so first thing then is to say, God is God. You can't change that. He's our creator and our recreator. And that is wonderfully, wonderfully, stupendously good. The second thing is this we actually rebel against him and all was the verses 11 to 17 here and uh, all rebellion is well there are three words uh, stupid or you could say daft irrational perverse unnatural a bit crazy dull or maybe just plain stupid And people do make daft decisions, don't they? And to rebel against God is one of those, but there are, I came across, some really daft decisions. How about this? Um, I'm a medical student currently doing a placement in toxicology. Today, a woman called very upset because her little daughter, who's two, had been caught eating ants. I reassured her that ants aren't harmful, and there's no need to bring her daughter into hospital. The woman calmed down. Then she mentioned the ant poison she'd forced her daughter to eat to kill the ants. I told her she'd better come into A&E straight away. <laughs> Apparently she was okay. And then what about this? This is true. Apparently this one's true as well. The first one is true. This is true as well. A man walked into a corner shop with a shotgun and he demanded the cash from the cash drawer then he noticed behind the counter there was some whiskey on the rack behind the counter so he said i like a couple of bottles of whiskey so give me that too and the cashier said I'm not sure you're old enough for alcohol in fact before I give it to you I need to see some ID And unbelievably, the guy with the shotgun pulled out his driving license and gave it to the cashier who checked it, memorized the name and address and said, "Okay, then I'll give you alcohol. Gave him his back, his uh, his driving license, gave him the whiskey. And as the guy with the shotgun left the shop, the cashier was on the phone to the police who were waiting for him when he got home. Extraordinary. So anyway, uh, uh, it is. uh, There are some very uh, dull uh, people around, aren't there? And so is all rebellion against God. God is the Potter. God is God. We cannot change that. You and, and it's just it's a good thing that we can't change it. And you rebel against God, and in the end, who's going to be the loser? Now, look at verse 14 here. Does the snow of Lebanon ever vanish from its rocky slopes? No. Actually, you can't be quite clear what verse fourteen is exactly saying, but you get the general gist of it here. Uh, do its cool do its cool waters from distant sources ever stop flowing? No. So so then what he's saying in verse fifteen, yet my people have forgotten me and it's saying, Well, you know, it's it's obvious from, na- from nature of these two things I've just talked about here, so uh, and yet my people have forgotten me, and it ought to be obvious that you wouldn't forget me. It ought to be obvious and natural and normal thing that you, as my people, you would follow me and be mine and live for me. And we'll live together. It would be good. It would be a good thing to do. So uh, there is a constancy, an order in the creation world, a rationality, a logic about it. And there ought to be in terms of the relationship between us and our creator. And and to ignore God and to rebel against him is illogical, it's irrational, it is dull. So whoever you are, I mean, you might be incredibly bright with a string of A stars behind you and uh, perhaps a starred first and stuff, sort of PhD. But if you continue to rebel against God, Jeremiah says, it's a very dull thing to do. It's an unintelligent thing to do. It's daft. But it's not just that. The second thing is, all rebellion is stubborn. Look at verse 12. They will reply, It's no use. they kind of given up, haven't they? We can't help ourselves. We'll continue with our own plans. We'll all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. To continue in rebellion is a stubborn thing to do, as in plainly obvious. Uh, to rebel against God is crazy, you know, but I'm just going to carry on anyway, because I'm pretty stubborn Blake. I when mean, you look at verse twelve, you, just, you know it's wrong, but we're going to do it anyway. Do you find that? Certain things you do, sinful habits, you know it's wrong. The kind of thing, well, I'll do it anyway. God's in the business of forgiving, so he'll do that. You know it's wrong to sleep with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, before we married. It's not the best thing at all, but we'll do it anyway. Yeah? Or, I know it's wrong to be resentful of the younger generation, because they seem to have so much more than we have had, but I'm going to deliberately do it anyway. Or, I know it's wrong to be self-pitying because of our low standard of living and therefore resentful of other people as well, but uh, it's okay, I'll do it anyway. Now, we all do things that are against God, but we need to recognize that a deliberate rebellion against him is a stubborn thing. It's a very dull thing, isn't it? but we stubbornly carry on and we need to remember don't we? God is God we, he, can't, it's, he, he won't change that and neither would that be a good thing it's good that God is God and he doesn't change it's good isn't it that God's standards are God's standards it's good isn't it that God's love remains steadfast and firm for us it's good isn't it that uh, God will help us by his spirit and he will always be with us it's good isn't it that uh, God loves to hear us to pray So, Lord, please help me not to be quite so stubbornly sinful. But that's what the people here got into. It's warning for us. Let's not be stubbornly. I'm going to carry on anyway. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to carry on anyway. But we do, don't we? We do. Third thing. All rebellion is, in the end, shocking. Um, shocking that we, God's people, would behave like this. Shocking what the results are. I, I mean, verse 12 seems to me is pretty shameless, brazen. And then verse 13, just look at the shock here in verse 13. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Inquire among the nations, who has ever heard anything like this? They can't believe this. What kind of an example is that? I mean, this sounds like a kind of a, you know... This is something really bad going on. And it's just shocking, not just for people within the church, but beyond. And and just look at verse 15 there. Yet my people have forgotten me. You get the sense of the shock. My people have forgotten me. Now these are well-worn paths and traditions. So you look at the end of verse 15 there, and it talks about these uh, um, stumble in their ways in the ancient past. And it's a bit like, you know, you're taking the M23 to Gatwick, but then you decide you're going to go up some sort of little side road kind of thing. And then you turn down a little country lane, and you're on a muddy track, which is, actually ends up in a gate and a field. That's the idea. That's the, that's the kind of thing behind verse 15. And wh- why would you do that? Just stick on the A23 and the M23 up to Gatwick. And the result of the rebellion is shocking. Um, verse 17 there, that could be that Sirocco wind. Do you remember we talked about that before? Coming from the east, really hot and dry wind, which uh, desiccates everything in its path, dries it out and kills it off. Like a wind from the east, I will scatter them before their enemies. I will show them my back and not my face. That's no relationship, is it? In the day of their disaster. Relationships ended. history. It's God's people. Your history. That's That's the implication of what he's saying, isn't it? Rebel against God, and in the end there's only one winner. And you know that, don't you? God is God. And we can't change that. So it's even more remarkable, isn't it? The gospel is true. Our Christian gospel is true. We're all born rebels, and it's a rebellion which is stupid or daft, stubborn, shocking... And yet God still loves us. And yet God still sent Jesus to die for us. And yet God still forgives us because of Jesus when we ask him. And God will still reside in us by his Holy Spirit when we ask him into our lives. And God still will give us this new life, this new birth. And he will still work in our lives now. And he will still guarantee our place in heaven. The new heaven and the new earth. Despite the fact that we still muck up. And we still go back to our old rebellious ways. God is just a simply extraordinary and wonderful Lord and Saviour, isn't He? God, our Creator and our Recreator. And all rebellion—it's daft, it's stubborn, it's shocking. Uh, and then the third thing to say: uh, so follow Him, even if it's a lonely loyalty we follow him today we want to follow him in our teenage years i was just thinking just back of my i became a christian as a teenager uh so i started following him as a teenager and i carried on following him at uni and then after uni and my first job as a teacher and i was carrying on following him when anna and i got married and carry on following him when i was at vicar factory and then uh Carrying on, following him in the curacy up in Crowborough, and then in, in a job in youth work, and uh, uh, carrying on, follow him, following him after that. We went to, well, we started having children, and uh, went off to Lowestoft, and then came here, and I trust will carry on following him until my dying day. It's a lifelong commitment, a lifelong commitment for all of us. God is God. He's not moving. And we want to be committed to him. Although in our rebellion, often we rather like the idea of rebelling against him, don't we? Well, we're going to look just briefly here at verses 18 to 23. And it looks a bit um, shocking, doesn't it? It's a because verse 18 they said come let's make plans against jeremiah for the teaching of the law by the priests won't cease nor will counsel from the wise nor the word from the prophet so jeremiah is so uh, we're going to ignore him so come let's attack him with our tongues and pay him no attention to anything he says and then jeremiah verses 19 to 23 he's an ordinary guy he was struggling listen to me lord hear what my accusers are saying and then look at verse 21 so give their children over to famine hand them over to the power of the sword let their wives be made childless and widows let their men be put to death their young men slain by the sword in battle let a cry be heard from their house and so on and all the rest of it he's having a bit of a bad day i think wasn't he well what we see here is a rocky road for jeremiah but what we also see here is a lonely loyalty i think what we see in verses 20 to 23 here is is jeremiah's heart he wasn't a perfect guy He's having a good old moan at God. That's okay. Life's unfair, it seems to me. God, well, the Lord has great broad shoulders, doesn't he? And in Jeremiah would say, "Look, I'm I'm lonely. I'm outnumbered. They hate me, and I've been at this for about thirty odd years at this stage. He had been, um, and uh, and they want to kill me." Verse twenty-three. And no one seems to be paying the blindest bit of notice to what I'm saying. So, frankly, Lord, I'm really not having a very good day here. And God is silent. It's interesting, in Jeremiah, there are a number of these kind of outbursts from Jeremiah, saying, you know, I've, I've had enough, I'll have had enough to hear, Lord. You know, isn't it about time someone started taking notice of what I'm saying? Well, we are tonight. And countless millions of people down the years have read and responded to Jeremiah's words. And the interesting thing here is that uh, uh, as he's having a bad day, and as he has his bad day at other times, God is silent. not trying to justify himself but God doesn't need to say anything at this point Jeremiah's got it off his chest he's loyal and he's lonely in his loyalty and it can be can't it we were hearing from festive for what a couple of weeks back it can be very lonely as a Christian in a sixth form college it can be very lonely standing up for Jesus at uni Especially if you've got a, a, go to a union, say, which has got a small Christian union. Can be lonely, say, in a care home as a Christian. Can be lonely as a carer doing your Christian duty to elderly parents. Can be lonely at work where, as far as you know, you're the only Christian in a very un-Christian environment. And with the help and with God's help, Jeremiah kept going. From time to time he had to get it off his chest. They he had a lonely loyalty. And I think he's a great example and encouragement for us. Please, Lord, help me to be, stick at it like Jeremiah did. Preaching, preaching, preaching. Or for us, whatever it would be, bearing witness, talking about Jesus and so on. But to keep on walking with you. And as we do so, sometimes it can be lonely. Sometimes it can be tough. The Lord promised he will be with us. From time to time, it might be a lonely loyalty. But let's keep on going. So this evening, let's remember God is God. You can't change that. That's okay. In fact, that's good. And let's remember those three things. He is our creator. And he is our re-creator. And let's thank and praise him for those things. All rebellion is stupid or daft or dull, stubborn and shocking. Because we will be, and we do, rebel against our creator and our re-creator. And then the third thing. Let's just follow him, shall we? Even if it is a lonely loyalty from time to time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are the potter. You are creator, our creator, and our recreator, and that means you have that lovely authority over us. Father, we are sorry for our rebellion against you. And we're sorry for those times when we we know perfectly well what is right and good to do, and yet we still stubbornly go off in the wrong direction. Lord, please forgive us for those times. But Lord, thank you. That you love us more than we would ever imagine. If we need to come back to you tonight, we pray that we would. Pray that you would help us to do that. And Lord, we pray that as we uh, uh, follow you, you would give us the strength. Sometimes the tenacity that we need to do that. But help us to keep going with you, we pray. Every day. For Jesus' sake. Amen.